Hotel Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to Behind the Connection. I am JT. This is one of my favorite new shows here at the North South, and I believe most of you have been enjoying it as well because I get some really cool feedback, and it's one that I've really enjoyed doing. We have five in the book so far, and I've had some really fun guests, and I think that train will continue tonight because joining me here is one of my really good friends and been friends for a while and honestly one of the biggest reasons uh, probably even doing this podcast at this point uh and it felt like a must to have him on it's been a while since we talked and that is purveyor of history of WD.com, one of the co-purveyors i guess at this point that is mr graham cawthon graham how are you i'm great justin how are you doing well my friend it is awesome to talk to you it's been far too long um since we've done this it, it is far too long since we've done this and uh before the world shut down I got to hang out with you as like one of my last big fun outings. That's so that true. Was a, that was a good memory to live off of for a year and a half. <laughs> I actually went to um, eat at that same place we went uh, just this past weekend. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Funny timing. Yeah, that was uh, out on Federal Hill. No, we had a great time. It was my first ever Comic-Con and uh, we had a lot of fun. We ate we ate a lot. We ate a Federal Hill and we went to a Greek festival afterwards. So we did eat a lot. We killed yeah. some people, too. We did. Just a couple. <laughs> Just a couple. We didn't actually murder anyone. That's just... but but then the pandemic happened, so it all got washed away. That's how it happens. That's right. It's like an office space when the building blows up, so they never catch what happened. Statue statue of limitations. It's almost over. Uh, anyway, so this is awesome to have you on. It was, you were definitely one of my must guests when I came up with this concept uh, because I know you have a very interesting story and relationship with pro wrestling that we're going to dive into here tonight. Uh, so why don't you tell us first, because as we usually do in the show, we'll throw on some wrestling to make it really feel like it's just you and me on the couch. And that's what we did on that night in November 2019. We had wrestling on and we're just talking about being fans. So we're going to recreate that vibe tonight. Uh, so what show did you pick tonight, Graham? All right. So I I did a little bit of a deep dive. I didn't go the Peacock route, mm-hmm. I went the YouTube route, because YouTube has so much more crazy stuff on there. It does. And I actually found and this is this is a very fond memory. This is the first WCW program I ever remember watching. Oh, interesting. And what is so, it? So it is the WCW Worldwide from March 27, 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to give you a little wider context there, that is one week before WrestleMania 9. Okay. All right. Good time context for sure. That Go Home Raw, I'm sure, was nothing too because they didn't care about it at that point, <laughs> if I recall. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe superstars had something, but they're like, what's a go home wrong? <laughs> what's this? The what now? Um, all right. So why don't we uh, go ahead and, and count into hit play. And this is available on YouTube. If you just search WCW Worldwide, March 27th, 93. Uh, we'll hit play and then we'll get chatting. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right. In three, two, go. All right. So we have the little globe spinning. Um, so the first WCW show you watched uh WF fan before this but when did that all kick off like when did you first discover your first memories of wrestling uh my first memories of wrestling honestly uh i had a next door neighbor who was a couple years older than me and i'd hang over at his house all the freaking time and i remember he rented wrestlemania 6 mm-hmm. and he he just had like i had no interest in wrestling wrestling to me it was, and what about is this is it close to six or is it like a little bit later oh yeah this yeah this is 90 this is okay 90. got it right. and uh i i had no interest re- in wrestling i was a big common guy uh but no interest in wrestling because i saw wrestling as kind of a, like a stereotypical big guys drooling over each other as they're yelling and and you know just mm-hmm. the worst stereotypes and how old were you at this point i would have been third grade 
Oh, okay. That's quite the stereotypes to have in third grade already. You're already that uh, conditioned, huh? Well, I mean, it was it was it was Hogan, Andre, Warrior, Savage. Like that. Right. That was yeah. that's my whole knowledge base of pro wrestling. Right. right. And uh, and so he had it on, and and it was just in the background. I don't even know if he was actively watching. It. And he goes, "I can't believe Hogan lost to Warrior." And I just instantly changed the conversation. I went, "Who cares?" <laughs> So anyway, that like that seed had been planted like, right. that I that I knew cool people that liked it. And so uh, fast forward a couple of years, uh, I'm watching Saturday morning TV. Oh. Did did you hear any of that? Yeah, yeah, I got you. OK, um, so uh, so I'm watching Saturday morning television, flipping the channels and wrestling comes on mm-hmm. and it kind of feels like that thing I'm not supposed to be watching. So I'm flipping back and forth. I'll watch some cartoons. I'll switch back, switch back to wrestling. And uh, I think that would have been like early 92. So it's just something like for months I'm kind of dabbling in. So right. I, I know a few characters. I know Ultimate Warrior. Um, I'm watching him and Papa Shango. They're getting into it. And so within a few months, I start gravitating toward the WWF because I'm, I'm learning guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. These guys are smaller. Right. Like this is not this is not what I thought wrestling was uh, because they were having to change what the product was. So I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm really getting into it. So by the time SummerSlam comes around, I'm all in. I'm learning what pay-per-view is. Um, then sur- the build to Survivor Series, the build of the Royal Rumble. And now I'm like, like, this is this is who I am. This right. is who I am. I, I have to get pay-per-view. And uh, so every pay-per-view, my my folks were saying, no, we 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 don't have access to that. We we couldn't get that for you if we wanted to. Right. And then I come home one day, and uh, and they make a whole presentation. They're like, oh, we've got a surprise. What? And my dad does this like old, old uh, stereotypical ring announcer in this corner, <laughs> standing in at eight feet tall. That you know, he's he's thinking of Giant Gonzalez, right, right, right. And I and I run over because I thought they bought a brand new TV. I'm like, no, we just we figured out we can do pay per views. So you're getting WrestleMania nine. Oh wow! Oh awesome. my god! <laughs> Mine melted. Yeah, yeah. So that really, that's probably two weeks before the show that we're watching right now. Yep. So I am I'm the guy who's getting the the monthly paper the monthly cable guide. And literally going through every single day and every single channel to see what wrestling is on. Right. Now, where were you living at this point? Because you were an army kid, right? You were bouncing around a bit. Yeah, I was Air Force. Uh, at this Air point, Force, yeah. at this point, my dad was working at the Pentagon, so we were we were DC. Okay. All right. So you're starting to fall. You fall hard. <laughs> and now oh, you yeah. have pay per view capability. Parents are cool enough that they're ordering for you. So they were pretty okay with you being a fan, like as a kid. Like there was no, never, never any push or pull. Um, I mean, there was later on once they realized, oh, wait, this is not going away. <laughs> yeah. It's um, always like that shit. We, we opened up this uh, big can of worms. Yeah, I, I, I do remember, like, I was going to Blockbuster at this point and, and renting relatively recent uh, Coliseum videos. Uh, or pay-per-views, but I had only seen like a small little sliver of what was out there. Right. And I do remember my folks occasionally joining me in the living room to watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess probably to help screen. 
Like, how bad is this? And well, know, luckily how, during that point, it it was pretty tame. Um, it was it during was. that stretch. So I was good. And, and I had not discovered like 1986 Crockett at this point, <laughs> so no one's bleeding. Right. No, no blood. And that's good. Yeah, because it's not really till later where all of a sudden you start getting embarrassed. Like for me, I was kind of lucky that by the time like Sable's out there with her tits out, I was like oh, 17, yeah. 18. So it's kind of like I'm watching on my own anyway in my bedroom. Um, So, we're, you know, it's it's a little less risk of uh, embarrassment, which which worked out. Plus, so, when, when you're in high school and you're watching that, I mean, that was half of what was on cable. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By that point, 97, 98, 99, it's just everywhere. Like, that's, yeah, that's what culture had become. We, we all grew up with silk stockings. <laughs> At least the beginning. <laughs> At least the yeah. first five minutes. <laughs> um, so. All right. So you're you're renting some tapes and you buy magazines yet. You went to magazines. That's been not, a common thread of these interviews so far. Not yet. I actually I, I do remember uh, I had maybe I bought one. I bought one at this point and it would have been. Uh, the WRS magazine from the 93 Rumble. Mm-hmm. So the one that had the like Yoko on the cover. Yes. Yep. So that had just come out because that's Mania 9 build. Right. So that is my sole magazine at this point. Interesting. OK. Were you just not aware that they existed or like did you browse that the, that the market is not buying any or is it not really on your mirror? It was. Um, I'm, I'm still dabbling, mm-hmm. so I don't know what's out there. Right. And then I I don't really know what's beyond WWF. So when does that come into your purview? Well, I'm watching this show. Um, let me take that back. I knew there was WWF, but I didn't know of of really anything else. Um, I knew of WCW, but in terms of WCW, the names closely associated would have been Sting, Luger. And Flair, who I had I had never seen in WCW, I knew him as a as a right. WWF guy. But those were like I remember you could go to the grocery store, and they had I don't even know what these were, but they were some kind of WCW not merchandise but product that had Sting, Luger, and Flair on them on the different items. So you would just kind of see things out and about, but mm-hmm. there was no there was no context. Like I. I remember when when Luger came out the '93 Rumble, I went, "Oh, that's that guy." Right. I had never seen him on television. Right. So, and there wasn't a lot else by that point on. Like, I think Global was in its final days on ESPN. It was correct. Yeah. So there wasn't like a ton, unless you were catching, and like I don't know what was there in the DC area. Like around here, we'd have some indie stuff on like public access and stuff like that. But um, I had no idea what an indie was. Right, right. So point being, like if you're flipping around the channels, there's not as much chance you run into something because there may have been five or six years earlier when there was like world class floating around. Maybe you were near with AWA. You know what I mean? Like there was more sure. out there that you could stumble into. So for you, it's really just WF is your world. You kind of knew that there's maybe something else out there. Right. Then you eventually find it. What was it? So this is the first show you watch, Eric Watts versus Vinny Vegas. And this, um, this is yeah. this is a, actually a great intro because you can just turn on the TV and know what the story is here. You know right. who the good guy is. You know who the bad guy is. There's there's a visible size differential. <laughs> um, and they just kind of visually so easily tell the story. So did you stick with WCW from here? Like this was it? You were in on everything, or did not, it take a not while? Not everything, because I didn't know uh, necessarily when the shows were on, or maybe the shows were on. We only had one TV, so right. maybe the shows were on when my parents had the TV. Uh, so I would miss a lot, mm-hmm. but I do remember 
so this is late March. Within just a few weeks of this, they start building to Slimebury, the first Slimebury pay-per-view. Yes. Yep. And I remember as that's going week after week, I'm getting more and more invested. Right. Not ordering WCW pay-per-views, though, with that new shiny box, right? Just WWF stuff. Yeah, that, that would be another six months later. But that right. would okay. happen. Yeah. And did you do them all consistently from then on? Or is it just like ones that you really wanted to see or ones your parents would let you get? Or did they let you get all of them? I think that's part of the frustration on their end. I got all <laughs> of them. I I got all of them for a while until until we moved to the point that you know they could they could actually some some of our moves we just didn't have pay per view anymore. Right. Which kind of felt like I was Amish. Right. After yeah. You, at that point, you had nineties. So, yeah, easy access, and then you don't. You feel Amish. The it's always funny, too, because I still remember, like, the nerves of asking your parents to, I mean, or everything. Right. But right, like having right. to go ask them, like, oh, there's a pay-per-view coming up. Like, I remember trying to find that exact right time to bring it up because at that point, too, you <laughs> could order like in advance. Like it didn't you didn't have to wait till the day and hit hit order. Right. I mean, well, you, could, you would you actually save money, I think, if you ordered in advance. Yeah. Or you had a call and get in because the phone lines may be busy that day trying to order. So as, like as Gene Okerlund would often say, yeah get it in now right. so yeah you would like i remember trying to pick that sweet spot of not too far out but you don't want to wait too long so a couple of weeks out you find that good day and put the order in so then you're locked in at least you know if even if something bad happens over the next two weeks you're probably good to go well, uh, well every spending they, money my folks were smart they kind of tied that into uh, report cards yes yep so you know if if you have a good report card you've got a lot more leverage here well, I remember my friend who had a black box that I relied on for a lot of shows. Got I don't burnt. need to know about all these shows. Got burnt. <laughs> got burnt because he, um, it was uh, King of the Ring 96. I was supposed to go to his house. It was all set up. And the week before was Great American Bash 96. Yes. Of course, one of the yes. greatest shows ever. Yes. And it was on Father's Day. So I remember we had a cookout. And I remember asking my parents, like, can I order the show? It looks like it's going to be really good. Everyone's heading home. I think I was watching main event or whatever was before it. And they're like, yeah, but like, this is your only one for like the month, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll go to Jim's house. And then something told me like not to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, uh, all right, I'm not gonna do it. And then to your point, he got a real bad report card or, I mean, this would have been June. So I think probably end of year. Yeah. Grade or whatever happened. Something he had to go to summer school, something like that. And they wouldn't let him have me over to watch the show. So I ended up having to order it myself. And I was like, thank God, because I had to see King of the Ring. Um, in retrospect, obviously, they're both awesome shows. But in one of the greatest months, probably in pay-per-view history, right? It was it was solid. I, I have a great uh, Bash 96 story myself. That's the only night I ever called the WCW hotline. What did it say? Um, well, it's Gene talking forever and ever <laughs> about what happened on the, the main event countdown show. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's as long as I could afford to stay on. <laughs> what a waste of nine ninety nine a minute or the free. Yes, <laughs> that, that, that was that was that year I didn't have pay per view and I, I I was I was hooked. I really wanted to watch that show. Yeah, I remember. Well, and Bash at the Beach was the same way. So I remember we were at the beach actually, and we went to my parents' friends after, and I remember making them put on main event. Uh, to watch like the height, the final hype going into the show. Mm -hmm. And then we got home and I remember just beelining it to my bedroom 
and watching it scrambled the whole pay-per-view, which I did pretty much for all the WCW pay-per-views. I watched them all on Scramble Vision um, for most of those years. But that was, I remember vividly listening to that entire show and hearing Hogan's turn and everything like that. Couldn't see it, but I could hear it. Yeah, yeah. So did did are you watching this, yes. this show? Okay. Yes. What is Van Hammer wearing? I don't I don't know. It looked like this cow print jacket or windbreaker. And it, interesting timing because we just kind of talked about not too long after this on, on the uh, latest place to be podcast, they actually talk about Van Hammer heading to WEF in the summer, which he never does, obviously. So no, I don't he know does not, a, but a that's that's a very not. that's a very natural fit. Right, right. He's got the look and everything. You'd think, you assume he would have went there. Is that Missy yelling, yelling at Flair? Can, can you imagine Ric Flair? He goes, this is, in, this is in 12 months. He goes from working with Hogan to working with Missy. <laughs> it's quite the gamut. Yeah. Who's yeah. got more fake uh, <laughs> fluid to their body? <laughs> also, also, this is, this is weird. You know, if you've only watched one wrestling promotion... And then you turn on this channel mm-hmm. and Ric Flair had been a dick for the right. entire the entire tenure of my fandom to this point. Right. He's mm-hmm. like the most hated guy. And you turn on this channel and, and everyone's cheering for him. And you go, what multiverse have I fallen into? <laughs> Why do they like this asshole? All he did was ruin Randy Savage's <laughs> life for a year. These fans are stupid. <laughs> This uh, one of the best parts of 93 is definitely, though, Shivani and Jesse, who I think, like looking back over time and really thinking it through, are probably a top three team for me at this point. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, who's your number one? Is it Gorilla Bobby? Because so much of their back and forth, you just <laughs> have memorized. And yeah. it just it's it's like comfort food. I struggle so much between them and Gorilla Jesse. I yeah, I love I love Shivani and Jesse in '93. That is, mm-hmm. and, and in in the '89, I loved them. Yeah. Yeah, I loved great yeah things. yeah the '90 Rumble especially. Yes. Yeah, he's in. I mean, Vince and Jesse's great too, obviously. And then I've been watching um, some '99 stuff for another show, and it, you almost forget just how good Ross and Lawler were because of the parodies they become later. You know, and Ross, you know, definitely loses his fastball and keeps getting run out there. And King obviously becomes just a joke. But, man, like, during that peak, peak attitude stuff, like, they were really good. <laughs> it was like, they, they were about it. They were, but my go-to peak attitude is Jim Ross and Paulie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they, that is, that's yes. the best for me. And people, you know, are, to this day, right, complain about the invasion. It would have been even worse if Heyman wasn't at the commentary, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, they make it at least seem way more important. And even even seven WrestleMania 17, like, I I don't know if that's even like I know it's considered the greatest, but like Heyman in the booth makes that so much better. Like Ross and King for that show may not may not click as much. Heyman for anything makes it so much better. Like, can you imagine this is 2021? We are talking about the guy who ran the Dangerous Alliance back in 1992. Mm -hmm. He's he's. On Raw, he has a he is a focal point on Raw with the World Champion or SmackDown every single week and has been for years and years and years. We we forget about the CM Punk run, yeah. like like Paulie is everywhere and I don't know he's he and 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 uh, Bobby Heenan are like neck and neck with me for the greatest of all time. 
And how about Jesse? So, or you mean for manager? You mean him and Bobby? I I mean for well for manager, but I mean right. for almost for personality, right, almost right. for like in total package for what they bring to the table. So how about announcer Jesse, Bobby, Heyman? How do you rank those three? I broke you. That's not that's not fair. <laughs> it's impossible, fair. right? And because they're all they're also different. I mean, Jesse and Heyman are similar, more yes. similar than Bobby. Bobby yes. is like the interesting thing with Bobby and what may make him number one, even though I think if you put a gun on my head, I have Jesse one. But I think the argument for Bobby is that no one has ever truly replicated his style. Like Jesse, you could argue Heyman has done it. I would even go on a limb and say like JBL, um, early JBL was mm-hmm. close. Not maybe, you know, he's not as good, but close Taz early Taz, right? Like there are guys that have that, you know, anti face hardcore, but always right. Truth, you know, yeah. serious lev, you know, no levity style. Right. Right. Um, Whereas Bobby just like, like, I guess King is more in his mold, but it's like not even close. See, I like, um, if, if I had to pick of the three, I would go with Heyman. And here's why he promotes everyone. Right. He might do it a little backhanded at times, Mm -hmm. but you know, that Jesse is almost always going to go, you know, right down, you know, heels, baby faces. He's going to go heels. Same with Bobby. Heyman might, but he will really talk up the strengths of everyone involved. Right. And that played out with his booking (laughs) with the ECW, right? I mean, yes. Hide hide the weaknesses (laughs) and play up the strengths. Right. His strength. So uh, his strength as a booker. So speaking of ECW. So, all right. So you're watching through your order and pay-per-views growing as a fan. WCW is in the, in the, you know, picture now. So take me through like 94, 95, 96. Like, are you just getting deeper and deeper? Is it evolving? You're going in and out of pay-per-view. Like, when does other stuff start to hit your screen? Like, you said in 93, you don't even know what independent is. Correct. So, like, when do you start to become aware of that universe that's out there? When do you get online, like, as part of it, too? Oh, okay. Um, well, within a few months of this, I got my first PWI, and it was it was the one with Sting and Hogan on the cover yep. from Japan. Yes. So that completely opened my eyes. Wait, there's wrestling in Japan. And then all the arena results are in there. And, you know, even e- early ECW is in there and Smoky Mountain and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And so that really, you know, opens opens my eyes to what, what is out there. Um, and so once I get that first magazine, then I'm looking for all the magazines. Mm-hmm. And so when people disappear from WAF TV, I start asking, are they on another television channel now? Did they jump to another promotion? You know, that these are the conversations I'm having in my head. Um, Internet is not until and this was in retrospect, this is very well timed. Internet did not come around for me until right after Montreal. Interesting. Okay. so so right when that happens, I. I have AOL and I'm doing a deep dive on everything. Wait, this, you know, I kind of figured a lot of this is, is for show, but how much is for show? Right. And who really hates who? So how do you, all right. So you become aware, you get the internet, Montreal happens and then you get online. Yes. So okay. I think that would have been like January 98. 
So what is your what is your reaction to Montreal watching as a fan that was not in the like? Did you know Bret Hart was leaving? No, uh, Bret was my guy to this day. Bret is my guy. Um, hated Sean during the DX era. Actually, kind of hated Sean into the mid mid two thousands too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, I was really looking forward to having Sean get his ass kicked, and then you open Raw with wait, Sean, Sean, Sean has the belt. How does mm-hmm. Sean have? And then Brett's gone, and Vince has a black eye, and Brett's not. You know, just so many questions at once. Um, and this is right after Brian Pillman dies, and and Nitro is just crazy bonkers week after week after week. So it was it was a really interesting time to have access to the internet and figure out what's going on behind the scenes because in, in a lot of cases, <laughs> as, as good as the TV is at this point. The most interesting thing sometimes is what's happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Well, and at that point, it was such a wild west on the internet that you really didn't know what was real or not. Yes. So it wasn't like now where, you know, you're on Twitter, you can get everything you need to know. Like, you don't even need to watch if you don't want to. But at that point, it was so still, unless you were in on Meltzer or whoever else, like, which you're not going to be as a 14, 15 year old just discovering this shit, right? Like, I'm in AOL chat rooms. And subscribing to random freaking people's newsletters that you're getting all sorts of mixed stuff. So yeah. there's still what's some magic to it because, yeah, you may know one or two things, but five or six are way off, you know. And so right, you're, right. you're still getting surprised. And and fast forward a few years. And honestly, a lot of that is the, the motivation to have started the history WWE.com because you you were falling into so much misinformation. You know, you just need one loud voice on the internet to say, no, 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 no. This is what was supposed to really happen. Yep. No, it, no, it wasn't. And that's how Scott Keith ended up writing all those books. <laughs> uh, but no, it's true. And like, I remember I, I like reading stuff and then calling my buddy Jim, who the one the black box, but he was behind on the internet too. So I kind of would like relay stuff to him. And there'd be all sorts of shit like, oh, the nasty boys are coming back to WF. Or, <laughs> you know, Yokozuna's returning, right? That was one that was like every week. Oh, like yeah. Three years, I right? remember that. He's coming back to, to join the Heart Foundation. Um, and I remember I'd call him and like read, like, all right, the newsletter's in. Here's the news, you know? And we both discovered the Sushi X hotline that we had to call. And um, he'd give, he'd read these news updates too that were like six or seven minutes long. And some were from the Observer, but you know, some were bullshit. And mm-hmm. it was just such a crazy time that it's. I feel bad for fans that didn't experience it in the moment because I don't think we're ever going to get anything like it again. Even if wrestling gets super hot again, it's never going to be like that where it went from shitty and hidden and like embarrassing. And all of a sudden you're like, everyone loves it. Yes. It's awesome. You can't wait to watch it on a Monday night. Like you live for Monday nights. Yes. And Oh, by the way, we're going to introduce you to this entire industry across the internet where you could talk to fans from wherever that you you know now you you went from having maybe one friend in 1995 to unlimited amounts of people <laughs> that you could talk to wrestling about and download theme music and read news and like oh my it was god the mind blowing oh god yeah i got so many cassette tapes still in a bag somewhere of all the themes i'd record off my computer i was i was so hyped when i finally downloaded the rougers theme yes what a find uh did you do theme trading and get burned like in chat rooms those are the worst that seems like a very yes. I'm sure I spent every night of high school on AOL doing that that foolishness. Yes, it's like you'd be like, all right, I have 
you know, Brian Pillman's third theme and I'll trade you it for a gold yep. second. And then you send it, they would send you garbage back or something. It'd be that so sounds angry. about right. Yeah. Ugh. Also, just not to change the subject too much, how yeah. fortunate am I that my first WCW show, this is the main event? Yeah, I mean, and it's a worldwide. It's not like it's Saturday night or something either. So, yeah. And the main event is the Hollywood Blondes versus Douglas and Steamboat, which is, yeah, like, boom. Yeah, I, I very quickly hated the Blondes, but I didn't realize at the time I really quickly appreciated the Blondes. Right. Because, because they were so, they were having so much fun that it was contagious. Oh, you could, God, you could yeah, not, I loved them. Yeah, you could not look away. So, um, all right, so you're on the internet now. Did, was like ECW and stuff on your radar at this point? Yes, because of the magazines. Right. And because I remember uh, it was such a big deal that Terry Funk did a moonsault. Yes. Like that. <laughs> like all they had to do, all they had to do was was take a photo of it. And yeah, that's that, all you needed. Right. Yeah. He's upside but, down and that's it. I'm like, how did that old man do that? How is he not dead? So that right there, that and and just the magazine coverage of Sabu. Um, I guess that, yeah, Sabu, Taz, Terry Funk, um, Shane well, Douglas. And they would have been on like raw and shit at that point too. Um, oh, no, before no, I'm, even ta- I'm talking like 94. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Way back. Yeah. Then. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Like, like sure. the stuff that would put them on the map initially. Yep. Yep. And so much of that stuff lives up. I mean, we have the, the ECW podcast on, uh, North South here. And we're into 96 and like, yeah, like all that stuff is the, every time I watch it, I think I overgrade it because I'm like, I just try and imagine my own brain in 95, like seeing this <laughs> stuff, this tiny, you know, hall um, and just like, oh, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Welcome. Tonight. Hell yes. Like, here you go. 30 minutes. It's like nuts to think of the shit like these random fans in Philly were seeing every night. Just all these guys come in and out of there these it would eventually become some of the best workers of all time than the biggest stars of all time i uh, i really enjoy ecw but i i really enjoyed the shows the arena shows i can't yes. watch i can't watch the tv no i cannot because so much it's it's just so it's edited so heavily right and there's so many jump cuts and you know the the little the montages and you know the the arena show would have eight matches mm-hmm. and then the tv version of that like every match would be the main event of the tv right oh yeah it lasts like three tvs at least right they, they would make they would make a main event out of the second match in the card <laughs> just it's it's just uh, i okay let me take that back from watching it i'm okay watching it right when i was having to document it for the website right 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 oh my god painful painful so i want to get to that um like that evolution. So we're into 97, 98 internet's mm-hmm. grown up. You're matriculating. Now, did you ever have, this has been one of my interesting things I've been to track through, through all my guests as well. Did you ever have the lull? Like, Oh yeah. Okay. So when did that come on for you? 99, actually a uh, tail end of 98. So oh, wow. as, okay. as, hot, as hot as 98 was for the WWF, I would say for me, it really, Oh, Oh, when they turned rock heel, when he was baby, when when he okay, so SummerSlam he drops the belt yep. to Triple H in the ladder match, heats and, up again, and you can tell like just like that's the next big baby face, right? Like, that is the next big baby face, and so he goes into Survivor Series as a baby face, and then the end of the show is him as the top heel, 
And I I remember going, that's some bullshit. Like, that's the guy I want to cheer. But because Steve Austin is in the company and you can't have two top baby faces, the rock has to be heel right now. Right. And I thought after after the natural progression of making this this shit heel into a natural top baby face, and then just like a month later or two months later, they switch him back. And I go, oh, I'm checked out. Like, you had me. And then really that continues into 99. Like, I remember the, the night of Over the Edge where, where Owen died. Mm-hmm. I was so checked out. I was on AOL, did not even realize there was a pay-per-view that night. Right. So you just saw the news come across that Owen died. Yeah, I was I was in a chat room somewhere. I'm like, wow, well, that sounds like made up like everything else. These people are sharing <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Owen Hart is dead. <laughs> Yokozuna is now the Intercontinental Champion. What else? <laughs> Back. Um, so did you check out of everything or just WWF? Um, well, 99 was rough. Right. Like uh, 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 across the board, I think, for me. Because um, Owen, Owen is kind of like Benoit for me. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a it puts a dark cloud over a lot of that year. Right. So you have Owen WCW just starts going off the rails. Like they, they can't put on a good show to save their life, and just it's kind of going to shit for me. Um, I did go to my my only Nitro uh, was was that fall. Uh, I was at college. And so the day after Halloween Havoc, they ran Nitro in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. I got to see Brett beat Goldberg. That was amazing. I was wow. so happy to Random. see that. And, and you know what, too? I just don't want to forget because I want to make sure we talk about your live events as well. So, but finish the story. Um, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at this point, this is 99, I'm hoping at this point that WCW actually gets the shit together. Right. Because I'm kind of down on the WWF. And then 2000, 2000 was was a a much much better year for mm-hmm. every for everything. I I I even thought WCW in 2000 was more fun, or at least there were more talking points than 99. Right. Well, 99 is a, a very it's it's the frustration that gets 99 because yes. they're still so loaded, and it was like you start to get frustrated because. It's like, all right, when are you going to pull the trigger on these guys? Like, we, you know, like we understood it in 97, we understood it in 98, but now we're right back to the friggin' silver and white or whatever the hell we had going on 99. It's like, oh, all right, I, it's time to make, you know, to make the change here. That is a great point because if you think about it in 99, and this is a great little parallel to mm-hmm. what we're saying today. So, 99, you've got all these guys who the fans are, are behind. Like, they're just waiting for the, someone to pull yes. the trigger. Jericho being at the top of the list. Yep. Benoit, Malenko, like all the Eddie Guerrero. So they've had little cups of coffee with with, you know, a little bit of spotlight, but not much. And so all the fans are are behind them. So in one year, in 99 and early 2000, like January 2000, WCW loses that whole list of guys Mm -hmm. that the WWF would turn into stars. What has happened over the past year in NXT? Yeah, everyone jump ship to AEW or all elsewhere. these all these guys mm-hmm. who were just waiting for them to pull the trigger. Adam Cole gone, Kyle O'Reilly gone, Bobby Fish gone. You know, just one after the other after the other. Gargano gone. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I just I just realized that parallel as you're talking. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, and I feel like that's the biggest hole in '99. It's like, and I feel like this is it's not the first time it's happened. WF two, like it, it happened. 
you know, in the early 2010s as well, where it's like, all right, like, you know, when are we done with, you know, and as much as Cena becomes super worker later, there was a time frame where I was like, all right, like, when are we done with Cena? When are we done with Triple H? Like, mm-hmm. when are we going to let Punk and Brian and these guys stand on their own? And like similar to WCW, they must have waited a little too long, right? So, oh yeah, uh, WCW, it was it was just too loaded up top. No one no one was willing to to either be told to step aside or to do it voluntarily. And I think what makes it, um, I think what makes WWF so successful, because honestly, like you got to think, is '98 to '02 like the biggest boom period, like the longest boom period in modern wrestling? Like, I guess, what's the original, 85 to 87, 88, as far uh, as, like, being, like, mainstream big time? Maybe 87? Uh, not 89? Yeah. Is it still big in 89? I mean, still, I, th- yeah. I think so, with with uh, Savage and Hogan. Okay, well, that example works for me, too, because if you look at that and the late 90s, the reason they were so successful and had it sustained is they did evolve. Like... Yes, a couple of the top guys are still the same, but they're constantly ebbing and flowing the roster mm-hmm. from 97 to 02. Like, you look at that roster in 97, it is dramatically different than 2002. Oh, my gosh, um, yes. Right? And that's kind of their last, that's like the end of the success, it's like pretty a, much. It's like a different country. But then you look at the roster of WF from, like, 15 to 20, it's, like, not that different, right? Right, um, right. And I think that that's usually when you can tell, to me anyway, um, when something's going just more stagnant, I, I know there's other factors. I know in 15 to 20, there's no other big promotion to jump to. So like people are going to hang on longer or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, the continued forced evolution of the roster keeps that top end fresh. And I think if WCW in 99 really hit that crossroads of like, and look, I, I, I've said this before, like I will never blame Eric Bischoff for, for not bailing out in the NWO. It's easy to sit here and say, it should have ended at Starcade 97. They kept it going too long. But like oh, that, that great was, between, that is not the main problem with WCW. Right. That was just that great know, between one was small factor. So hot. Like I can get why he didn't want to do it, right? Yeah. But yeah. the problem is they didn't start to do it in some point in '98. Like they they even Goldberg, for as much as a streak and beating Hogan, after that they pussyfoot around. Like they don't really commit to him. Right. Right. And they did that with a lot of guys. Like, so it it was the, the, the clear delineation that never changed of the old guard on top, the other guys on the bottom, and they never showed any sort of movement or, or change. And I think that was their big fatal flaw in 99. Cause I think, I think they still could have been as popular and it, it didn't need a lot of different stuff than what they did. Right. I completely agree. I'm sorry. I'm just getting wrapped up in this tag match. It is really good. It's it really is good. really good. Like, I could. Can you imagine being in, in in 1993 and for 12 bucks you can be front row to see this at a high school gym? Insane. That happened. Like the, these guys worked 60 minutes, a lot. Just chucking these guys out, and they had the talent, and they and they had the depth, but they also had a lack of depth, so they had to use them. <laughs> Like they had a lot of great workers, but like it wasn't a deep roster. So no, it was not in '93. Yeah. So these guys are out there a ton. Um, all right. So you mentioned going to the the Nitro. What was your first live show? So my first live show. This is really. It's only about six weeks after this show mm-hmm. that we're watching right now. Um, <clears throat> May first, '93. And like I said, I was living in the D.C. area, so it's this is the Capitol Center. This is. 
uh, site of the 95 Survivor Series. And I'm going to guess um, a couple of the matches because I went to a show a couple weeks later. Bret Hart Luger main event. Now, yeah, absolutely. Mr. Perfect Shawn Michaels IC title match. 20 minute draw. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still I still have my uh, uh, well, not all of them, but I still have a few photos uh, just about 10 feet away from me from that from that show. Actually, that show was the first smoking guns house show. I was just about to. Read my mind. I was like, I think we saw the early smoking guns because I saw them too that night. And I was like, yep. oh, wow, we're seeing them before they're even on TV. Yep. They, it was supposed to be the Nasty Boys and the Head Shrinkers. Yep. Uh, but I believe the Nasty Boys were suspended. I yep. was pissed because I loved that Raw match between them. Yes. Yeah, that was a great brawl. Was that the Snowstorm match or no? Um, Remember there was the yeah. Raw during the Blizzard? They had the whittled down roster and they had the big, was that that? I think that it was. could be. That could I think be it was all like Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah, because Gorilla does commentary, right? It could be. It's been a long time since I've seen that. I just remember as a kid going, this is amazing. Yeah, they go crazy because there's a blizzard and half the roster couldn't make it there. So they had to just like throw out this like insane show with like random guys. And yeah, the nasties and head triggers, they just let them rip. And they had like a classic, you know, brawl around the arena type it, thing. It reminded me a couple years later, uh, it reminded me of the uh, the Nasty Boys Harlem Heat match. Kind of, what is it? Uncensored? Tupelo. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. 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 With the the ketchup and mustard. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So it's funny though because I knew that card would be the same as soon as you said it because I think it was only a couple weeks later I went in Providence and it was like I knew it was gonna be the same. Oh. Um, I I don't think it was a couple weeks later. I think it was that weekend. Oh, was it the same? Because then I, I Scott the went same. to one. I think Scott went in Hartford. It was like the same day or something. It was like no, you're right because I feel like there there's a fan cam of that one. Because uh, as soon as I discovered what fan cams were and I found that there's one from the same weekend as my first show, I absolutely tracked that down. Yeah. Providence had the fan cam because that has the um, they did the dusty finish with perfect and Sean perfect wins and then they reverse it and then they go to the draw. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I feel like we had the same finish. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. So the blondes retain here. This was a great. No, this was the title change. This was the title change. Oh, oh, oh! They okay. I didn't realize. Jesus, they have the title. Man, you saw a huge show here. Oh yeah, I did. Kept me came coming back for more too. And it's funny because I, having never seen a WCW show to this point, I knew who Ricky Steamboat was from what little Coliseum videos I had rented to right. that point, and just from watching the match, I go, "Oh, the bad guys are going to win this." I don't know what about the match. I, I I don't know. Maybe just it it kept going and going and going. So it kind of felt like something big was right. going to happen. Right. They were going to steal it. Wow. I didn't realize that was a title change. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember Tony Gilliam at all. <laughs> this guy. So I don't I don't know the face, but uh, have you watched much TV from 91? WCW in 91? <sighs> yeah, not in a while, but I've seen bits. So I know his voice because he would do the really, to me, they were super annoying fingers on a chalkboard um promos for the upcoming house shows right and he would go you know uh, whatever city it is giant or uh, el gigante <laughs> coming to whatever high school near you come see him today yeah barry windham oh wait okay so i'm watching i'm watching the show right now and i see the british bulldog is in wcw mm-hmm. remember this is my first show and i go oh oh Oh, this is my guy. This is my guy. I'm watching them like all the time now. That's where he is. Because when he when he loses the IC title to Shawn Michaels, that is my first wrestling heartbreak. Right. 
Yeah, because you're, I mean, you were all high on the build to SummerSlam and his wins. Yes, yes. Uh, Bull, Bulldog was my guy, and then once he leaves, Brett becomes my guy. Right. Yeah, it's always, it's funny to think back. I was actually thinking of that myself the other day. I was watching something about how, and this ties back to the internet discussion we were having earlier, where now you know when someone's going or wherever, but it's so weird how wrestlers just vanish into the ether, right? When you're a kid, it's like, all of a sudden they're on, and all of a sudden three, four, five weeks go by, and you're like, oh, well, they stopped talking about this guy. <laughs> I guess he's not coming back. Uh, maybe, just, he, maybe he's dead. Right? And, and you they, honestly would know. And, like, even, like, a guy like Jesse, like, he's right here talking to the blondes. I remember in 1990, like, he's on every week on Superstars, and suddenly he's not. <laughs> like, where did he go? <laughs> you know? Um, it's crazy. It was just, like, a crazy world when you weren't dialed in on any level. I, I do fondly look back at those times because back then, literally anything was possible. Because right. you, didn't, you didn't know anything. You didn't know how the world worked. Well, you relied on either the magazines or the programming. And, I mean, I so... Your bulldog is my beefcake. <laughs> so no, when I started watching in, in 90, when I started watching in 90, that was, he was my favorite because he was, I started right around WrestleMania 6. You know, he was at the peak of his like mega push. He had just beat Mr. Perfect. He was on TV a lot. They were building to SummerSlam and then he got hurt. I was like so upset um, when he got hurt, but then they never talked about him. And it's like, mm-hmm. is this fucking guy alive? Like, like where'd he go? <laughs> they just like said he got hit by a parasailer and then you never hear from him again. <laughs> And I remember they'd occasionally do something like in the magazine, like, and I remember there was one, I think it must've been the end of 91. They showed him at some like convention signing autographs and he was so thin. He had a mustache. I'm like this poor guy. He had a mustache? Yeah. He had like this little wispy mustache and it almost felt like he was like, like going through like chemo or something, the way he looked like he was so riddled down. And then he comes back and, you know. I'm sorry, that was the late 90s, because then he's back in early 91. And he's uh-huh. but, um, yeah, but like like that, this is like your favorite guy got hurt on a beach. <laughs> you never you never hear from him again. He's just gone forever. Um, all right, you just going to roll to this next one while we keep talking? Absolutely. People. I could do this all day. We'll let it run. Um, all right, so, uh, so what's your first pay-per-view you went to live? Oh, that I went to live? Yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 20. Okay, I figured it might be that. So, is that just like lack of show being in an area where you were located, lack of funds? Like, what made you? Because I mean, that's twelve years after you were, you know, started to become a diehard. Right, right. So, I'm trying to think where I was living at because we we did jump around a bunch. So I went from the D.C. area. Actually, I left the D.C. area one month before the '95 Survivor Series. Okay. So, you know, part of me looks back and I go, oh, if I only stayed, I might have been able to talk my parents and take me because that's that's one of my favorite shows. I love that show. Right. Um, so we moved to Panama City, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly left. Um, <clears throat> I was only there one year as a high schooler living in Panama City, Florida. Like that is that's peak 90s. Oh, God. Like, right. like that's but I wasn't able to experience any of it. So that's that's right when MTV starts coming for spring break. Um, nitro no i left before i left before the first nitro (laughs) so yeah i missed all these things never got to go to club la vila right um so then i then i finished high school in alaska this guy dancing what's he doing um all right yeah finished high school in alaska so no no one's coming even during the hot 90s where everyone's printing money no one's Mm -hmm. coming to alaska uh and then geez what 
I guess probably after that, it was a lack of not necessarily interest or, or money, but, you know, they just didn't bring any pay-per-views near where I was. Right. So I, I finished college near Roanoke, Virginia. And then I, I remember uh, I was watching WrestleMania 19, uh, and they went ahead and promoted WrestleMania 20. I saw the date. I had never been in New York City, had never been in Madison Square Garden. Um, the date might work. And so I look up my my college schedule, and it was it started spring break. Mm-hmm. So like it could not have been any better. If the, if it was one week off, I probably never would have gone just right. because I couldn't fit it in my schedule. So it was just meant to be. It's a seminal show too. I, I was there as well. I think realized Dabato was there when I had him on the last episode. Um, it's crazy how many of us were in the arena that night before we really all got to know each other. Oh hell, th- there were like name wrestlers in the crowd that night. Oh yeah, like it's... Zach Zach Ryder, AJ was there, uh, Hawkins. Who else is a star now that wasn't a star then? I feel like there's a good handful of folks. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, if if you look at who was in the crowd at WrestleMania 1, like Tommy Dreamer, Bubba Ray, like right. a whole bunch of guys. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was a great night. It was one of those nights, like, blessed to be there. Because, I mean, I, I only lived in Stanford for three years, and one happened to be during that stretch. I was able to go. I went to Survivor Series 02. And then to WrestleMania 20 mm-hmm. while I was living there. So it made it, made it worth the, the hell of living. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, for sure. So, all right. So you go to 20. So where in this phase did you decide, I'm going to start a wrestling-based website where I track every fucking result of every show of all time? Um, <clears throat> well, it was it was before 20. Um, it was uh, late 2001. And part of that was I'd taken a year off college. Uh, and I was living at home, which was not fun. And I had no friends in this area, which was not fun. And so with what the Internet was at that point, like we were just talking about earlier, the, the, all the misinformation that was out there. Mm-hmm. And between my VHS collection at the time, my my magazine collection at the time, and really just an interest of knowing what was happening specifically this year, specifically in 1993, the, the year that we're watching TV right now. Right. Um, I wanted to know what was happening on shows that I never got to see because they weren't on television. Mm-hmm. And so it just it was just like natural progression of, OK, so this is what happened in 93. Well, what happened in 92? And then as as I'm doing this, I'd find like little gems along the way, like what in 92? Like a few months before SummerSlam, Brett and Bulldog had a dark match at a TV taping. That right. blows my mind. And so you'd find these little gems along the way that would just completely add fuel to the flame. So it was like an archaeological expedition. So you're digging through stuff. You're, you're getting excited. You're finding different things. And then you decided to publish this for the world to see. Yes. So how... Like, I'm trying to picture myself in 2001 trying to create a website. Like, how did, how did that happen? Um, did you get help or did you just figure it out? Were you a no, major? I, I, just, I just figured it out. I mean, there was no it's it, it wasn't so much a, a coding situation. Right. I mean, it was it was pretty easy to make a really 
basic looking website. And to my credit, it's never not looked like a basic fucking <laughs> website. <laughs> Just a list of text. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you're working on it. Like, when did it grow from like Graham's little site for his hobby to everyone in the world knowing about this website? That, that I mean, that, that's, a, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I do remember. <clears throat> well, I mean, really, in 2002, uh, it, it was really just maybe six months into 2002 that it was getting some pretty good attention. And mm-hmm. I was getting uh, really it's it's a snowball situation where I, I relied on people finding on the website right. to contribute to the website. Right. And I remember that was happening pretty frequently by the middle of 2002. It's crazy how quick it happened, but I, I guess the, I mean, the there internet, was no, it, it wasn't, out, there was nothing else, else out there. Right. I was and saying the internet was, and the wrestling community is so small. Yeah. Yeah. And if there was something else out there, um, who's to say if it was right. Right. Like I found a lot of bullshit along the way, or I, you know, discovered a lot of bullshit or, uh, debunked a lot of rumors along the way. Well, especially with like um real wrestler names and like that kind of stuff right like i remember even that being like all over the place you'd find sites that had stuff listed like that that was crazy yes yes and and stuff like um i remember i had at some point i had found a lineup for the fall of 97 with like kane on a show before he had been on television and just like all this other stuff and it wasn't true that didn't happen or um you know any Kane in, any, in the green and black <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah anytime anytime an after mag i remember that there was a there was a after mag i picked up a pwi from like 94 and wow you know if you look back now with some of these articles that we read when we were kids just amazing fiction mm-hmm. writers oh just yeah like like this is stephen king and you know this just right up there with with the greatest fiction writers of all time there was a, a a spread on earthquake and he had just come back to the wwf and the whole article was about this show in canada that like no one could get to because of a blizzard so you know, like let's say there were 100 people at the show and rick flair was there and and he fought john tenta and Tenta won the NWA world title. But Flair said, no, 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 I didn't agree to face this guy. He's a substitute. I get my title back. And then he goes to the WWF and he, he, he puts Hulk Hogan in the hospital. You know, like that match with Flair, that, that's not a thing that ever happened. Right. But, you, but who's to say? Right. Who's to and say? it's so because, easy to visualize it, you know? Right, right. And, and, and it, it, would, it would take... 20 years before you could say whether or not Ric Flair ever wrestled John Tenta in the 1980s. There's so many of those ones that stick out in your mind too. Like just how vivid they were like the, um, the monster mash battle Royals, one of my favorites where they like played out, like all these monster wrestlers from over time, get this battle Royal and some billionaire puts it on and like, just all like it, that was meant to be fantasy. They don't say it actually happened, but right. Um, or they did like the WWF versus WCW dream cards. You know, if they ever had a dream show, how would it go? They, I, like I remember, I maybe it was inside wrestling. They did a tournament in 94 mm-hmm. and it was like, who's the best wrestler? And it came down to, um, 
I love their little tournaments. Their little fantasy booking tournaments were great. I, I ate that up. Was but it, it Sting? Down, I'm sorry? Was it Sting in the final? No, it came down to Rick Rude and Bret Hart. Oh. And I think Rude won. But they had a a poster or a fold-out, and I'm sure they it was a doctored photo. You know, mm-hmm. in respect, it had to be a doctored photo because it showed Rude jumping off the top with a clubbing clubbing forearm to Brett. I'm like, that's bullshit. Well, yeah, right. it, was a, it was a doctored photo. But, like, that kind of stuff, like, did, wait, did Brett ever wrestle short hair Rick Rude? Right. You start going way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, those magazines are, like... Again, the something fans today would never understand like what those things meant. Just the hours spent going through them. I mean, pre phones, like even in two thousands, I would read them. You know, at work, bore I'd throw some in my backpack and bring them in I, late night and flip through them. Now, full disclosure, I have been drinking as as we've been talking, and I do not I do not want to make this political at all, right? But it is, is no surprise to me that in twenty twenty one there is such a term as fake news. I just assume that a lot of these people using the term fake news grew up <laughs> on the aftermags. 100%. That's where so it all feel, came. They feel lied to the whole their whole life. Yeah. Right down to the PWI almanacs. Mm-hmm. The, all right. So, yeah. So your site, I, I want to say I found it, it had to be like 04, 05. Because Would you and Ju- you and Scott were writing for me in 06. Yeah, so it had to be around then when I found it because I did, I knew you for a bit, and then him and I had been doing our reviews. At first, we did them for five people via email, <laughs> um, and then we started doing them and catch on a little bit, and then we ended up putting them on a message board or a blog. I forget what the hell we started, and then yeah, like your site was one of the first things we did. I think we went back and restarted them so they'd be clean for your site, um, and then eventually, you know, we had the podcast in eleven that you ran for us too. And that, you know, and you, and this is why I said this to start the show, I wouldn't be doing this without you, is like, so far, if you, if you listen to the other episodes of this, almost everyone has said they found us through the historydewey.com. <laughs> um, and they did, like all of our oldest fans. And that's how we built our audience with so many came through that funnel in like 11 and 12 of the historydewey.com. And they were like, and there weren't a ton of podcasts, right? There weren't a lot of wrestling, just like you, mm-hmm. when you started that that site, like there weren't a lot out there. That was the same case in 11. There just weren't a lot of wrestling podcasts out there that were I'm, reviewing old pay-per-views. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. I had no idea of the, the influence of oh, the yeah. time. Yeah, so, so 100%. That, that's, that's a nice little, it's a wonderful life moment that you just gave me. Very good, because I, I guarantee you we would not have been nearly as successful. Um, without running on your site you were actually one of our i was trying not to i i meant to go back and listen so i didn't want to duplicate it but it was it's 11 years ago against statue but you were one of our first guests on that show too season one uh i think it was uh episode like nine or ten we had you on and we went through a similar conversation but well I, i'm sure i was drinking then too that's just the thing that i do during podcasts most likely yeah um but yeah so it just it all comes full circle and uh you know getting to meet and hang out and see you in that Nakamura jacket in New Orleans. <laughs> it all meant, meant so much. Um, so definitely a big thanks for, you know, just like we didn't know you, right? Just emails you, like, can we run these reviews on your site? And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and that, that reminds me. So, yes, the site started as, as basically just a, a database. But, mm-hmm. you know, within within a year or so, I started adding photo galleries. So, like, if you would go to a show and take pictures, Yep. I, want, I want your photos and I don't care how old the show is. Like right. the older, the better. Right. 
and I I love I love seeing um, historic shows or non historic shows through the eyes of people who were there. Mm-hmm. So that you know we, we hadn't talked about any of the books, but you know that's that's one of the things that uh, once I started doing the books, I had to get in there. I had to get in fan contributions yeah. like that yes i love that kind of stuff so the the photo galleries the the show reviews you know it was just kind of really developed well beyond just a here's a listing of who beat who and in what little town in omaha in 1985 yeah i mean i would assume scott and i aren't alone like of people that just contributed to that site and ended up getting Correct. read and found and all of a sudden were names, you know, yeah. um, out there. Because at the time you were still like, now you can find a review on every corner of the internet. Right. But like at that time it was still newish. Like, you know, you didn't have the big ones. Like, you know, I busted on Keith, but obviously a huge influence. And, uh, you know, CRZ was my first big one that I read and, but, and, you know, one wrestling with a uh, Shearer and the daily Larry and all that stuff. But then more and more, you started seeking out like alternative reviews of shows to understand different viewpoints and stuff like that. And I remember just spending hours just again, like the internet was so much less than it is now. There was real, no social media to kill time on. So I, you just read a lot, a lot of random right. stuff like that. So just read reviews of old wrestling shows over and over. And your site was like huge for that because it was such a repository. Yeah, you might have six reviews on WrestleMania 5, but it was with six different people, right? That had all different viewpoints. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I really enjoyed that aspect. I really enjoyed, you know, not only the the match results and and finding that you know, uncovering stuff that people had no knowledge of, whether it be, you know, Sting fought The Undertaker for the NWA world title in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those, those kind of like hidden gems. But then over here, uh, all these basically conversation starters, these discussions about, you know, these are the matches to you, that you need to track down from 2005, or, you know, these are the top matches of 2007, or this is the best Coliseum video that you need to track down. So it really became a, a hub in many respects yeah and you were linking stuff back and forth to the different pages which was great mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was like oh here's the wrestlemania 5 results and here's the reviews we have on hand you know about them so right right yeah. no it was yeah it was i mean a massive resource the books i still have could kill someone with it so i keep it as a weapon <laughs> but, um no it was it was uh a really cool time um for sure and obviously the site's still going landy helps uh, keep it afloat and, uh, you know, and obviously we're not dead. No, we're not. So I did not use the book to kill anyone. Yeah. Myself. Uh, but no, the site, I mean, I still use it very regularly, like almost on every podcast I have it up and ready just in case I have to reference it. So it's still so f- funny enough. I had to use it, uh, while talking to you. So the, the show that we watched last mm-hmm. and maybe this show too. Yes. This show too. So this is taking place uh, in in Macon, Georgia. This is the yep. Macon Coliseum. <clears throat> Do you know the the real big wrestling significance to this venue? Uh, like wait. this is this is turning point stuff. Is it nothing to do with Black Saturday? Is it? This is where Scott Hall shows up on Nitro. Oh shit! Wow, no, I did not even piece that together. Yeah, yeah. So, so th- really, three years after the sh- these shows that we're watching is when wow. he walks through the crowd. That's crazy. And I just did that on Wrestling Warzone for chat. Yeah, yeah. Not that long ago, I did not even realize it was making. Wow, that's crazy. Unrelated, 
so many years after this. So this is 93. Mm-hmm. So 2019, this venue is where I meet Ron White. The comedian. That is it's like a kismet situation that you watched your first wrestling show. All these things are related. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite wrestler of all time. Why are you asking? I want to know. I figured we were good enough friends that you wouldn't have to. It's for the fans. Oh, um, the excellence of execution. Of course. Birthday man heart. Yeah. What about you? Macho man, Randy Savage. Oh yeah. He's my number two. No one tells a emotional connecting story like Savage does. Every feud he had, almost ever, was so emotionally draining. <laughs> like all of them, every feud, <laughs> no matter where he was, even WCW when he's Flair and DDP, like all those feuds for even Hogan with the NWO, like all that meant. Everything always was so heavy. <laughs> Can you imagine just being at home and be like, "Hey, Randy, what do you want for dinner?" <laughs> <sighs> And he, he, has to, he has to lean against the wall. <laughs> He's like the This Is Us of wrestlers. Like everything is draining with him. Everything is so fucking emotional. <clears throat> but it connects. Um, all right. Uh, favorite match of all time? Oh, wow. I mean, like my go to nostalgia that I can keep watching and watching is Bread mm-hmm. and Bulldog, but that's just because, like, that's. You always remember your first. Right. Uh, favorite match. You know, and, and it's not just because I'm looking at the poster. You've been in the room, so you kind of oh, know what the, what the room is. Uh, so right by the TV is the WrestleMania 5 poster with, with Macho Man and Hogan. Mm-hmm. I think that match is criminally unrated. It is. And, and I feel like, not to go off on a tangent here, <clears throat> but you know, like... Uh, uh, TLC two, mm-hmm. TLC two, from WrestleMania seventeen, has all the high spots from TLC one, all their ladder matches, all their cage matches, like all the high spots that they had kind of mastered to that point. TLC two is the ultimate showcase, right? And I feel like WrestleMania five with Hogan and Savage. They had been working against each other for like mm-hmm. four years at this point. So I feel like, you know, it's it's not apples to apples, but I kind of feel like that, that is their TLC too. Right. Just their that, best of playlist that all on, on the biggest stage that mm-hmm. you can have. All right. Least favorite wrestler. Least favorite wrestler. Someone I, that if I, if I said you had to watch the match, you're like, eh, <laughs> I'm good. I don't, I don't, I was not expecting these questions. Mm. Um, you know what? You know what? Just because you said it, I'm gonna say Brutus Beefcake. Ah, <laughs> oh, bastard. Um, all right, favorite show, live, like live show you've attended? Favorite? Ooh, WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania 30, absolutely. Um, I was very fortunate when I was buying tickets. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how it happened within my budget either, but I landed um, an aisle an aisle seat. And when I say an aisle seat, I mean aisle to the ramp. Oof, awesome. So you can see me, you know, when 
when Rock walks out, when Hogan mm-hmm. walks out, when Brian comes out. Uh, I met Brian that weekend. I feel like WrestleMania 30 is like, I will never top that weekend right. as a wrestling fan. That entire experience. Uh, I met Sean, uh, met Brian. Um, just just between Access and WrestleCon and, and having those seats. Um, and just like the best go home feeling with and I and I I felt like nine months earlier this had to be how WrestleMania ended, but with seventy thousand people chanting yes in unison, right? Like I that just like that's peak adult fandom for me. And that's my next question to you because that's one of the answers to this one for me was, would be WrestleMania thirty. Which show, if you could attend any in history, like would be the one you could attend if you didn't go? So uh, putting that one aside. Wembley. Right? Perfect for you. Yeah. What what do you is the best show you've been to? Like maybe a thirties your favorite experience. Is there one that's like I'm ranking all the pay per views independently of never being there and this one's gonna rank the highest? Oh, 30. 30. 30. Like thir- it's still thirty. Like, yeah. Like thirty is an all time show. Right. Um, I feel like everything they do on thirty means something. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might mean a whole heck of a lot. The only thing about 30, and this is not a reflection of 30, it's a reflection of where they go, they just, like, completely pissed out, is Cesaro winning the Battle Royal. Right. I, I love that Cesaro won the Battle Royal. Yeah, that, it's a great that moment. That adds a lot to the show. The it fact is. that it went nowhere after that's not WrestleMania 30's fault. No, definitely not. Cocked it up. Yes. What, um, so is that... This is probably not a variant of that question, but I'm curious to try and get you off 30. What is the biggest match you've ever seen? Like the most important in your mind match? Is it Brian winning the belt? Again, there's a dark cloud, but there's nothing that can take away the moment Mm -hmm. of me standing on my chair on the floor of Madison Square Garden having to turn around to the big screen because there's so many people standing in front of me, I can't see the ring and chanting or at least yelling repeatedly tap bitch tap as triple H taps out to the cross space. How long did it take for you to get that Benoit music out of your head? (laughs) Leaving the arena that night. I think it was like days for me. Days. Absolutely days. Um, So I I finally tracked it down during the pan or the height of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I, I got the uh, the WrestleMania 20 T-shirt. Yes, you know where it's got where it's got the the you know the five guys who are in the the world title matches, and I put it in a in like a custom not custom made but like this is what it's for a, a T-shirt frame, and then I put in confetti from that night. Oh, nice. that, that was my only souvenir from the night. I grabbed a few handfuls of the confetti. Right. And so I've got a a wall of framed WrestleMania T-shirts from the Manias that I attended. That's awesome. And I, I've got the confetti from 20 and 30. You need, like, we're going to do it at some point. Like, we need, like, a YouTube tour of the room. <laughs> because I don't even want to try to, like, explain it. <laughs> like, you have to see it. Like, if you would have told me about <laughs> it before I saw it a couple years ago, I wouldn't have really grasped like right 
until you get there and realize it's like a combo hall of fame memorabilia store video store retro toy store retro toy store room of your dreams like that like that's how to explain that and it's, room. A, it's a weirdly made <laughs> room too so funny enough this house was built in 93 everything is 93 <laughs> um but it's like okay so for anyone listening to this it's a room with its own full bathroom but then it has like a walk-through closet that then goes to another weirdly shaped small room that has its own attic space. So and the whole area is dedicated to this. Pretty much, I am going to diversify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I've got some like uh, signs, laser disc movies that are framed, and I've got some comic books that are graded that I like to get put on the wall. Right. Um, some like old, old like sixties and seventies comic books. Um, so I do, I do want it to be a room that no matter where you're coming from, you will find something to gravitate to. Right. Pop, pop culture wise. Yeah. But yes, it, it does lean very heavy on the wrestling. And my wife and I were joking about this the other day. We were talking with some friends of ours who had never seen the house before. And we were talking about, you know, downstairs, you've seen the downstairs. So, so the downstairs yes. in the kitchen area, she decorates below the cabinets and I decorate above the cabinets. Mm-hmm. So above the cabinets, I've got, you know, this is a very, it's, it's a very classy looking kitchen, but above the cabinet is my castle gray school and my snake <laughs> mountain yes. and like all this bullshit star Wars stuff. So she was talking about that stuff. And I said, yes. And so whenever we have someone come work on the house, They'll act, you know, especially the AC units. Mm-hmm. They have to go up in the attic, and you know, nine times out of ten, as they're leaving the house or at some point in the conversation, after they have seen the room, they walk out and just go. And it doesn't matter if they're a fan or not. Right. Like if you walk in, you have some some basic connection to something wrestling even like, or even if it's just the idea of like videotapes yes yes so you know they walk out and they just kind of go wow <laughs> <laughs> like if it's not them who's a fan they know people who are right and they they say something effective oh my god if my, they knew my, my my friends would eat this up. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, again, I don't feel like we're even doing it full justice. Um, well, from, you need the crib store. For me in 2020, this was uh, cre- putting it together was um, therapy. Right. And yeah, so we we're, were probably some of the first to see it, right? 1000%. Yeah. And and even to this day, not a whole not not many people have you know, as as much as this is a house for entertaining, right? Uh, the past two years have not really lent themselves to entertaining. We made sure that it was entertained for a day. <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> very much so. Um, anyway, we need the YouTube tour because it's worth showcasing. We're gonna make that happen. Okay. Um, but hey, buddy, listen, this was an amazing chat. Yeah. I could talk to you all night wrestling. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I want to thank you for coming on. Be sure to visit thehistoryofw.com. Continue to use it for all your results. Also, continue to listen to everything here at the North-South Connection Podcast Network. We have tons of content 
coming at you very regularly, including this show, which is every yeah, probably two to three weeks or so I try and do one. And uh, keeping it loose here in 2022. We'll talk to you soon. Stay connected. Stay connected.